but a brisk and buxom deer approaching fifty. With a young voice and young eyes, full of soft humor and authority, and without duplicity or doubts. They scouted the opposition for a moment, decided there was none, and fell into each other's arms. The couple were married in Jesse's little church in the village, and afterward Ellery gave them a reception at the Algonquin, out of an obscure sentiment toward the memory of Frank Case and the round table, in a suite full of spring flowers. Jessie wore an Irish lace dress the color of blue violets, like her eyes, and the inspector a summer tuxedo, peevishly vetoing Ellery's overenthusiastic suggestion of a cummerbund, and Ellery had the unique experience of giving his father away. The minister, out of the quaintness of his Episcopal heart, spoke of the blessings of matrimony in the summer of our content, which Jesse thought a beautiful way of putting it, while her groom glared at the man of God, who was a good twenty years younger than he and could afford to be patronizing. The continuation of the beginning was very, very satisfactory. The mighty falls roared in unending welcome and offered them its shiniest sunlight, rainbow, and mist. And the fat Indian woman, squatting near the railing, sold them pillows stuffed with pine needles that scented their double bed with sanctification. When they got back from their honeymoon, looking well-fed, they went to the queen apartment. Jessie had given hers up, putting her things in storage against the undiscussed future. It kept seeming as if there would always be time enough to talk about it. Home, Jessie crooned over the word. Then she clucked over the dust and began bustling about opening windows. The old men dumped their bags. Is it? Why, Richard, whatever do you mean? What are we going to do about Ellery? So it came out. Oh, Pooh, Jesse said. I made up my mind long ago. Ellery will live with us, and that's that. She went hunting for a dustcloth. Maybe he will, the inspector mumbled. And then again, maybe he'll have something to say about it. He usually does. And he began thumbing through the accumulation of mail he had found waiting for him. We'll see. We won't see, Jessie said, reappearing. You haven't lost a son. You've gained a wife. It's beginning to sink in, the inspector said with a grin. All right, let's say it's settled for the time being. Why does it have to be temporary? Where would we get an apartment these days we could afford? Even with me working. With you what? the retired inspector cried. Working? You're not going back to nursing? I want a wife, not a proctologist plumber. My police pension will be enough, along with what I've stashed away. I didn't marry you to watch you carry bedpans for a lot of neurotic women or men. And don't you forget it, Jesse Queen. Yes, Richard, Jesse said meekly but she thought, I will. We'll need the money. What's wrong? He was staring at one of the envelopes. This is addressed to Miss Jessie Sherwood. 
Your first letter and they don't pay me the courtesy of using my name? Forwarded by registry. It's probably some charity asking for money. I'm on all sorts of lists. It was not a plea for money. Jessie looked and frowned, and looked again. I'll be darned. What is it, Jessie? Look at this. This turned out to be a hundred-dollar bill. And that. And that was half a thousand-dollar bill. The inspector frowned at the pretty portraits, too. Experience had taught him that mysteries starting out with unsolicited lucre had a way of turning nasty toward the end, if not sooner. For Philip, the original of the $1,000 bill had been scissored down the middle of Grover Cleveland's...